for the Faith FM Breakfast Show with your hosts, Lyle and Lawson. It's actually Blake and Lawson. Lyle is still in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. We we need progress reports on that shell, so maybe send them some pictures. Is it going to be ready for Thanksgiving? No. no. Lyle, step up your game here. Come on, man. We've given you this time. Fix the kitchen. The one important time of the year where food is like the most valuable thing. <laughs> and it's still not ready, Lyle. But he's also doing a course and he finished his final exam. Oh! oh let's so go. So not just lounging about. Okay, that makes more sense now. Yeah. Okay, Lyle. Hard, Good on you, done. Lyle. Dude, if Lyle was here, I'd, I'd, high, I'd high five him. Actually, I'm going to see him later this morning, so I'll high five him as, as a fellow student who Congratulations, also Lyle. finished a course. <laughs> so just awesome stuff. What are you thankful for? Listen, I am thankful. I was so tired yesterday. <laughs> I was so, I so, so tired yesterday. I don't know if the listeners could pick up, but I had just come, like, I'd been in Sydney the day before dropping a friend off at the airport, and I was with some other people, and then they were like, oh, let's have dinner in Sydney, and then we got back to Newcastle. I, I got home at, like, midnight and woke up early for radio. I was so tired, but still got a gym session in, feel good, feel strong, and feel ready to <laughs> get this triathlon done yeah, on that, Sunday. So I'm, Sunday, I'm, right? I'm building up to Sunday. And then after we're having Thanksgiving lunch. So I'm first, I'm going to burn it up on the track and then I'm going to burn it up at Lyle and Shell's place and eat all their <laughs> With the tofurky. amazing tofurky <laughs> and vegan Thanksgiving food. I'm, I'm like, it, like enamored by the thought of this amazing food. You're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith FM. Positively different. Blake saying he's into dudes in dresses. No, that, is that what you're trying what to say? I was saying it was a, uh... It was a twist of the tongue. Okay. I was saying it was my thing that makes me angry uh-huh. when dudes are competing in female sports. Okay. That's what makes me angry. But we'll, we'll get to that in a I little bit. We'll I get know. to that in a little bit. But right now we're going to have our first question for the quiz, which is... The Bible Sabbath occurs. The Bible Sabbath occurs on what day of the week? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text. If you know the answer to that one, you will go go into the draw to win our trifecta. Trifecta of amazing biographies of people of faith. We've got this one here under. The Shadow, uh, the story of narrow escapes and God's protecting hand. I've got a bit of a blurb here. It says, The life and ministry of Joshua Yunfo Chong and Eunice Tin Chin were packed with adventure and challenge with peril and plague and bombs raining from the sky, but mostly the evidences of God's unfailing providence and miraculous leading during 40 years of dedicated service. By the time Yunfo was born in 1911, his father had thrown away the family gods um, oh, and then it kind of cuts off there, which is good because now I'm kind of giving away spoilers. The family gods have been thrown away. That's and right. You have to win the competition. You have to win, win the, the prize. Quiz, to find win the out prize. What, what happens? happens? What happened in 1911 as well? We're talking about an incredibly crucial time in the world's history. Basically, right before World War One. That's right. Mistaken, yeah. Pretty much during. Like that's well, that was the beginning. Yeah. 1911. We've also got A Thousand Shall Fall, the story of Franz Hassel, a World War II story, and then The Richest Caveman, the story of Doug Batchelor. Uh, uh, later in the century story, <laughs> 1970s, 1980s. It's actually, that's the order. It's like you go the first one, 1911, then you go 
World War Franz II. Franz Hosel, yeah. And then you go you Dougie, B Dougie B in the 60s. In the 60s. Maybe 70s. 70s. Maybe so, 80s. Ar- 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 it's, it, it's his whole life. Yeah. He's still alive today. So <laughs> it started back then. It's still going. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that question, which was, the Bible Sabbath occurs on what day of the week? 0491-064-669. You know who does good sermons? Who? Dougie B. He does. He really does. I was just, when I was back in the States, I went to his church, and he just gave an amazing sermon and just... Mm. It's smooth, it's simple, it's understandable, it's relatable, and I'm just like, this guy, he's still doing great sermons. You know who else does great sermons? My friend Mark Sutherland. Yeah, he does. He he preached at our church on the weekend. Did he? He talked about the Laodicean church. It was powerful. I was tearing up. I was deeply moved. But I have some more powerful news here this morning. Okay. Now, homelessness is an incredibly sad problem. The fact that people don't have the ability to live somewhere and there are very various circumstances that put them in that place. Now people people are in all kinds of tough situations For and sure. it can be their you know their bad choices that have led up to their situation. It can be bad circumstances that have led up to that situation, whatever it is. But it's a sad reality when people don't have a home. I've been there a few times in my life back when I was a kid and my house got burnt down. We were mm. homeless for like two months, just mm. running around wild in my Ninja Turtle shirt. Mm. That's all I had. It's it's incredibly difficult. Yeah, it was. It's, it's incredibly difficult. But I think for me personally, and there's a, l- a lot of sympathy that we have towards homeless people, um, but homeless veterans is is probably one of the most kind of harrowing tales uh, yep. about of a person who gives their life in service for their country, and then they come comes back out and they with can't nothing. Fit. Yeah, they can't fit into society the way that they used to, and Come yeah. out with nothing. You're with, absolutely right. With literally nothing um, after such service. Now, in 2016, the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs, or the VA, they came up with a... They wanted to solve homelessness, yep. and they created homelessness goals um, to get homeless veterans in homes. Now, they were doing it for a couple of years, slowly by slowly, but then due to the COVID pandemic, it stalled massively, and we saw a big increase of homelessness in the United States. But in 2021, the t- tail half of 2021 and 2022, they have set their goal to put every single veteran in a home. Their goal for this year um, was to house 38,000 veterans. And as of September 30, they've achieved 30,914. You know, it's really crazy. You, I don't even think you knew this. My mom works for the VA, wow. specifically housing veterans. Like, this is her job. Well, yeah. she's doing a fantastic she's, job. Well, she's hitting some KPIs over there, it sounds like. They don't have uh, statistics for October, but based on their averages, they should have about 3,000 people left to house before the end of the year. That's pretty good. And is that for the whole nation? Yes. Okay, she only works in California. Mm-hmm. This is yeah, this is for the entire nation cuz to to house 30,000 people is like a massive thing. <laughs> yeah. To house like one person is like such a process, you know. For sure. Like not just like that you have to like build a house or something, but I mean, you know, just the logistics and, you know, the, all of the documentation and the paperwork and everything it's huge so yeah. thirty thousand veterans or thirty three thousand veterans that they've housed so far is just incredible and i think that yeah we're, we're picking up for 
a, a vulnerable group in our society. Well, this is in the United States. Um, you know, in Australia, I believe veterans, they have a little bit more of an easy time and they get a, a little bit more help in that regard. I would say, uh, I would say yes and no. Number one on that, they do not have an easy time on a personal mental level coming sure. back and dealing with that, the, the trauma, the PTSD, the, sure. the issues that you have. On the other side of the coin, Australia is better at, I think, taking care of vulnerable people groups. And mm. veterans are a vulnerable people group yeah. uh, that do deserve and need, uh, I think, government assistance and help. Yeah, absolutely. For the ones who don't need it, that's fine. But for the ones who do because of the service that they've given to our country so that we can have freedom, they absolutely have earned that right and that privilege. Yeah. And when it like when it comes to veterans, you know, you've got two sides. You've got people who come out of the the armed forces and they just do really well. You know, they've that that time has been really constructed to them. I think of like a Johnny Kim type, you know, stuff like that. He's like the extreme, but like, you know, fighting in Iraq and then becomes a Harvard medical doctor and then becomes an astronaut working for NASA, like incredible stuff. And he, like listening to his life story and testimony. And he talks about how that time he was in the SEAL teams and talking about how that time was so just formative and constructive to him. But then you've got the other side of the coin where it's people who are just so scarred from that experience that they can't really, you know, meant with, well, they need help to, well, I mean, some of them are physically scarred. They don't have right. legs, they don't have For arms, sure. you know, and then also the mental scars that also, yeah. and I think issues. we, like as a society, if we did, it would be terrible. But I think we don't hold that against them because it's because of what they gave. Yeah, of course. It's like if, if they come out good, then awesome. But if they come out bad, like no one is holding that against them. In fact, we're, we're trying to help them. And it's good to see that on a practical level here, reading statistics like this, that they've decreased homelessness by 55%. From a, wow, that's all. That's <laughs> Good like, job, mom. Yeah, amongst <laughs> veterans, like yeah. that's amazing. That's that's really cool. It, they really do sacrifice their well-being, their lives, so that we can experience a better experience here in Australia and, mm. and America as well too. Uh, I, I think as uh, I, Australia and America are really connected mm. if not anywhere else at least on my instagram account outback patriot <laughs> but even besides that like i'm australian america whether you like it or not they are connected mm. and i think it's a good thing but we do have to understand and recognize that what impacts one country can impact another country mm. as well too and i think the next step that our secular society here in australia doesn't necessarily want to go down but i i know veterans and uh, you know, people who have worked in the armed forces and who are currently serving in the armed Got forces family, yeah. who, yeah, who have turned their lives to God. Praise the Lord. And have, yeah, th- that is just overwhelmingly improved all of those struggles that they've sure. been through and has changed their lives. So, shout out my good friend and buddy, our yeah, friend and buddy, Sergeant Jesse, Jesse, Jesse Stanfield. Stanfield. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome stuff. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. While Lyle is finishing up his entire course, but he's coming back soon. Not too long now, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. But that kitchen better be done. That's right. All right. 
Well, we're, we're having, it seems that we're having some phone yeah. troubles, actually. Uh, do you think we should do the question, Shell? Yeah, we will do the question. You guys can send in your answers. We're just trying to figure out these these phones right now. We're, they're, they're struggling. They're struggling. But listen, Struggle. guys, who is described as being more noble than the Thessalonians? That's <sighs> so rough. Imagine, imagine you're like, oh, these people are more noble than you. Yikes. I love this question. This is one of my favorite, like, little passages in the Bible. Ooh, okay. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. What's one of Blake's favorite little passages <laughs> in the Bible? If you know the answer, you can go into the draw to win our trifecta, our triple, double, triple, uh, triple triples um, of the Doug Bachelor story, the richest caveman, the Th- a thousand shuffle, and under the shadow. All of these amazing biographies of people doing incredible things um, as a result of following God. Absolutely, Dougie B's story is wild. Living living life in a cave. In a cave. Oh, we're talking about homelessness before. Mm-hmm. Dougie B has definitely literal caveman. He, he's a he is an actual legit caveman. He lived mm-hmm. up in the the mountains of Northern California. There just. Or maybe more central California, just living in a cave. Well, hey, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. We'll try and get your text messages. Try, please answer the quiz. Send us text messages. We'll do what we can. If we get it up and working, and we don't have that information, oh, apparently it is working. It's up and working. It's coming through. Good job. Good job. Shout out producer Shell, who's just absolutely killing it. But again, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Who is described as being no- more noble than the Thessalonians? Noise. What's going on? Well, this is the thing that really just makes me upset. And uh, let me, I want to preface this. Now, I don't even know how I feel about this whole concept here. Because we're, we're basically going back. We're doing, this is like an Esther beauty pageant, right? That we're talking about here. I don't know how I feel about beauty pageants. I, I have mixed emotions. Uh I think that could be a good thing, uh, but I also I'm just mixed mixed feelings on the whole thing. But what I am not mixed feelings about is when non biological women compete against biological women in any sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not it's not healthy, mm-hmm. uh, basically on any level. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, normally, <laughs> normally, well, it would seem like from a physiological, biological perspective, uh, men would have an uh, an anatomical, physiological advantage mm-hmm. in the sporting world. Mm-hmm. However, in a beauty pageant, this, it doesn't make any sense. So let me let me just run you down what's actually happening here. So. A student has become Miss America's first ever transgender contestant to win a local pageant, prompting critics to accuse the, quote, woke competition of allowing opportunities to be stolen away from actual female contestants, which I actually, uh, I agree with the the stealing away part of that. Mm. Earlier this month, Brian Nguyen, or Nguyen, you're good at, you're good at that. It's N-G-U-Y-E-N. Okay, Brian, we're going to call it Brian. 19 uh, <laughs> made Miss America history when they became the first transgender woman to win the Miss 
Greater Dury title in New Hampshire. So mm-hmm. New Hampshire's like a little tiny state on the East Coast, mm. kind of tucked away in there up near Vermont and Maine, Maine that area. Mm-hmm. Just, or just around New York. Mm-hmm. The Miss Greater Dury Scholarship Program set up by the Miss America organization welcomes contestants between the ages of 17 and 24 who are judged on their, quote, this is from their website, achievements in scholastic, aptitude, talent, character, community service, and poise. I think that word poise probably like a little code word for beauty as mm-hmm. it is a beauty pageant, but mm-hmm. we'll, we'll stick with poise. However, not everyone is happy about Brian's success. Leilani Dowding, former Miss Great Britain contestant winner from 1998 and glamour model, has publicly smashed the United States Miss America pageant when Brian beat female contestants to the top spot. That actually just sounds bad as well, too. Mm. Brian, like, we can't even use another name here. We're using Brian. At least it's more honest. (laughs) Is it? I don't know if it is more honest because it's like, it's almost, well, I see what you're saying. Like, he's like, wow, I'm Brian, you know, but like the whole process of that is there's a dishonesty to it. But yeah, Mm. I guess I would say not honest. It's more blatant. Exactly. That's 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 my point. And I feel like, I I feel like it's better to be blatant than to be hiding. Subversive. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Because we, then everyone can clearly see the problem here. Well, after Brian mm-hmm. was named Miss Greater Dury 2023, so the way it kind of works is you have all these local pageants in the different areas, and then what's going to happen is uh, they're going to have a competition in New Hampshire mm-hmm. later on in the year. The winner of all the locals goes to the Miss New Hampshire, like the state level, and the winner of that goes to the American level. Mm. The winner of the American level goes to the Miss World level. Okay. Mm. So Miss Dowding, who was also a Miss World contestant in the 90s, claims the outcome is, quote, stolen opportunities from biological women and has said the situation is, quote, out of control. Mm. Okay. The Vietnamese American social media influencer, and that's the key to all of this, Brian, will now be featured in the Miss New Hampshire contestant in 2023 where the winner will be entered in the Miss America competition. What can happen is when someone is, quote, powerful on social media Mm. through their influence, opportunities are given to them that would otherwise not be available Mm. because now they're getting the word out there. Mm. They're getting influence. They're getting people to know about (laughs) the greater Dury (laughs) Like, like I would never know what that yeah, is. We would never without, know that. without this story. Of, of course, absolutely. I mean, and the fact that it's controversial yeah, as well. It's very mm. controversial. So, Miss Dowding, back to the Miss Great Britain. She's now forty-two. Said that her nineteen ninety-eight uh, Miss Great Britain win quote opened up a whole world of opportunity for me. Not just the prize money, the endorsements, and TV appearances, but when I wanted to move to America as well. And it was really instrumental in helping me get my visa. Now, that's actually really interesting to me. I didn't know, like, you know, you just win a, a beauty pageant or, mm. uh, well, that's what, I don't know that world. I got to be honest, not very mm. well. But it's interesting that all these endorsements and opportunities are open up. So what's really happening here is Brian is now taking that opportunity from a biological female mm. and being celebrated as a man who's now dressed as a woman Stealing opportunities from women, mm-hmm. which really boggles my mind because you would think that the feminist movement would be against something like that. 
mm-hmm. like the quote the patriarchy and address taking away our opportunities as women. But no, mm. it's being celebrated, which is just shows how topsy turvy our world is. I think it just really revolve like it really reveals the kind of oppression Olympics that people wow. enter into, and it's like oh the reason Brian should win this is this is the sort the most oppressed is, yeah that's right right i'm the greatest victim that exactly yeah. Vic, victim olympics oppression olympics oh, man. and it's like oh well like women have have you know historically had a bad but what's worse is being a trans person so we should definitely give it to them but it's like no absolutely not like this is in a roundabout way this is just again men oppressing women. well miss doubting she comes in even hotter on the next comment when she says, and this is her speaking. I want to be very clear. Mm -hmm. A biological male and an overweight one at that has just won Miss Greater Terry in New Hampshire. She's not pulling punches. Brian, who's not even a female name caked in makeup. Nothing like the pretty natural girls that entered the competition has not only taken first place. They've taken away the chance for a female to have a scholarship and use that money uh, that prize money for something towards her future. So Miss Dowding also said that she saw the other girls in the competition, quote, stand around clapping and smiling. But she added, I don't know if they felt like they would be singled out or whether they really are a woke bunch, but for the sake of females going forward, we cannot allow this. So they don't even realize the opportunity that has been stolen from them by a biological male and it's out of control. I agree with that statement and that sentiment. This stuff is out of control. Biological males should not be allowed to enter any biologically female competition, right? Mm-hmm. It just is it, it is an, an unbalanced approach to to sports, to competition, to the integrity of society in many ways. And this is where we have come to and I want to know what you think as our listeners today. Text us at 0491-064-669. What, do you, what emotions do you feel from this? What does this make you feel like? What do you, what do you see or think that this is leading to in our world? Because I'm really interested to hear what you have to say here on Faith FM. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We've had some... Interesting learnings, yeah. Over off, the off break, <laughs> um, we might we might get into it. Tomorrow. We should talk about it. Yeah, well, maybe today, maybe a little tomorrow. more research. We'll we'll see. Hey, we have another question. What did David do when he was afraid of Akish, the king of Gad? Did he a flee into the wilderness? B kill Akish? C just didn't speak to the the dude or d pretended to be insane zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text if you know the answer you'll go into the draw to win our trifecta here of amazing biographies but again that question was what did david do when he was afraid of akish the king of gath a he fled into the wilderness b he killed akish c he did not speak or d he pretended to be insane zero four nine one Zero six four six six nine. We are the world is a crazy place. It is. Absolutely. I just I just don't even know. I don't even know how to process how crazy the world is getting all the time. And to help me do this today, uh, we have Jennifer Skews, 
who is our reliable Wednesday interview who comes in and just helps to make sense of the world that I'm just misunderstanding from here on out. Jennifer, can you hear us? I can, as long as you can hear me. Yeah, I can hear you just fine. And, and please help me just to understand what's what's going on with the world. I'm just... <laughs> it my, my is a hurts. crazy world. Yep, I agree. <laughs> and our worldview has a lot to do with how we cope with it, how we look at it. And I know our relationship with God is a huge factor in that. Hmm. Um because if we are only stuck in the world, it's really hard to function. Whereas if we know we have a loving God who helps us and directs us and looks after us, it makes a huge difference. So it's what we believe that is very powerful. Um, With, so what I was going yeah, to I just wanted to say. <laughs> sorry, I just wanted to say really quick, Jennifer. When I when I first became a Christian, it was exactly what you just said. I, I had actually come to the point where I didn't know if God was real or not, but someone basically convinced me. He, he said, hey, whether or not God is real, and at this time I didn't know. I, I believe now for sure. But he was like, whether or not God is real or not, the belief that he is real will give you a psychological advantage and will help you have a better life all around. And I just was yeah. like, huh, that's an Absolutely. interesting thought. It's the minimum um, of Christianity, if you live that life, whether you fully believe it or not, the beliefs will really uh, make a huge difference. But when you do believe and you allow the power of God, that's what I found in my life, it makes a, a major difference how you see the world, how you cope with your daily life. And that's what we're going to look at because God has given us an amazing brain. He's, he's um, we are pre-programmed to a, certainly to a degree and the rest we um, program along the way after we're born. There's about a 50-50 reality of what we're born with and how the brain functions. So we're going to have a look and we'll do this uh, probably over a few weeks. Of what is what is it we do to reset the brain? You know, we talk about this great reset at the moment. Well, we've got a great reset for the brain when it's not working well. And this is when it's not working well and it's programmed the wrong way. We suffer greatly and we're so caught up in the world and what's going on and particularly fear. The world runs on fear. So it's a fear belief system. Mm. So this is where if you cannot fear things, and this is where, again, that relationship with God is powerful. If we know we're being looked after, we don't have fear, then it makes a huge difference, not just to our feelings, but the way we function, our daily life, the choices we make, and the physical, our physical body responds well to what we believe, whether it be for good or bad. Right. So I guess there are a couple of questions. Why, why do we think the way we do? Well, that's maybe we've answered a bit in the way we're programmed, but how can you change those embedded beliefs in that program that we action on a daily basis? I mean, how often do you go, oh, what did I do that for? Why am I thinking that way? What did I say that for? Um, and it's to do with what the circuitry in the brain, because your brain is a, it's like a freeway, a map. If you ever look at it, well, you know the LA freeways, they're pretty daunting. Oh, That's what our brain, our brain looks daunting. just like that. <laughs> <laughs> We've got all this programming, and if you see the programming you have in your brain, and we've talked about things like addictions, for example, mm -hmm. what we believe about grief and loss, then um, the way the brain is programmed will dictate how we think and what we believe. 
So if that programming isn't correct, if we've got the wrong message, we have lies versus truth, and there are only two realities. Either we understand truth and we uphold it, or we believe the lies and we live it. So this is about going in and changing that freeway in the brain. And what I do is I get people to look for what I call exit roads, because that freeway is a major freeway. It dictates daily what we're thinking, what we're doing, and how often we go, I wish I could change that habit. And you can, um, but it's, it's what do I want to change and how do I change it and putting that plan into action. So this is what I often help people do is what do you want to change and let's work at it. And you have to change the brain. And God has yeah, given us an amazing brain that is highly wired and structured and even though it's battered and bruised, it can still function really well if we put the right beliefs in. So it's identifying a belief you want to change and looking at the change process. So you might be thinking of a belief that you have or something you do. Often we go, but this is what I do. Well, what do you believe behind what you do? And that's what has to change. So the, the relationship is, of course, the brain is the physical part. That's the programming is how it functions in the mind and then what we have programmed, those core beliefs or main beliefs, dictate the way we think. So if you listen to what you think, you will be able to identify what you really believe. Or if you listen to what you say, because I ask people what they think, oh, I don't know. People don't listen to what they're thinking. So that in itself is a whole um, whole change just to be able to hear what you're thinking. So if I ask you, what, when you got up this morning, what were you thinking about? It's highly likely you go, well, I don't know. Mm. Um, when you react to something, what are you thinking? You don't know because all you're doing is listening to that feeling. So you've got to identify the thoughts because the thoughts are a reflection of what you believe. So if I want you to feel sad, what do you have to do? If you're feeling happy today, I'm saying, well, feel sad. How are you going to feel sad? What would you do to feel sad? Hmm. Uh, what would I do to feel sad? <laughs> I ask you to feel sad. What yeah. do you do to feel sad? I'm thinking, well, just think about a <laughs> hundred different things that have happened in my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So you can see the point of what you think is what you're going to feel. For sure. So. Yeah, so this is where if you're having a miserable day, what are you thinking and what are you believing? And often what we believe about ourselves or we talked about traditionally that worldview and what dictates our worldview, do you think? What makes up our worldview? I I believe our belief structure, our upbringing, our cultural place, maybe Mm -hmm. lots of factors. Absolutely. I think a powerful one at the moment for most people when we come back to the world is the media and the government. Yeah, because what is in the media, and this is where I get people who are in full fear, oh, did you listen to the news this morning? And and if you change channels, they're all saying exactly the same thing. So, and it's Yeah, my (laughs) grandma and my aunt are both, I think she's, grandma is, I don't know, 87 and my aunt's, uh, 89 uh-huh. they live together uh-huh. and they are constantly just like just totally like freaking out about how crazy things are happening in the world and when they come and I go over there to hang out with them sometimes and they're talking to me I'm just like hey I'm actually on an information diet 
and <laughs> let's just hang out and talk about what's happening here in the house. And we don't have to worry about all of the crazy political democratic Republican protests that are happening, you know, cause they're really, they're really political. And so I, I make a decision to actually go on an information diet cause it's so overwhelming that the, I, I can't handle it all. So I choose very specifically what I, what I, um, allow into my information, uh, food source or information diet. And we all need to do that because we're being overloaded, particularly with technology when you have a look at how things have sped up and what goes into the mind. Because when you watch TV or you go on a computer, initially it takes about 45 minutes to get in the zone. It takes a while for the brain to zone into that. After that, it takes 45 seconds. So the moment you turn on the TV and you sit down, that's it. Your brain is locked into that. So you're not able to... You know, how often is how hard is it sometimes to shut your computer down or turn the TV off because the brain is mesmerized. So we really need to have full faculty of the brain and not spend too much time on that sort of thing, particularly on the fear mongering. So if we believe the world is a fearful place and all these things are going to happen, then of course we're going to live in fear. So and a lot of people one of the biggest problems I find for people is fear, that they're full of fear. So mm-hmm. to change that program is not easy because it's very subtle. It doesn't take much. All you need to do is see a headline or someone talks to you and it triggers that fear. So to pull it back, you have to start to be aware of what is going through your mind. So I get people to write down what they're thinking. Initially, it's hard because you don't listen to your thoughts, but we need to listen to what we're thinking. So say sadness is the problem. I'll just take that as an example. So I want you to write down everything you think about when you're sad because then we can look at what the belief is behind it. Um, And then, yeah, so we sort of peel back that belief because if the belief is incorrect, yeah, and then we have to change it. Now, there are sad things in life. So is that true? Are we feeling sad unnecessarily? And that's that's where um, you have to hone in on something. You know, stress is a prime example. What stresses you out? Well, what are you thinking and what are you believing? If you believe in fear, you're going to be stressed. So is it that fearful? And if it is, what are you going to do about it? So get people to question what they think and what they believe. Because what we believe and what we think and what we believe is um, directs our feelings, which mm-hmm. my thing sadness was, that, uh, or if you want to feel happy, you've got to think happy thoughts. You've got to believe happy things. But then from that, those feelings, we take actions. We have our behaviors, our body reacts. We're in that space, and that builds our character. It's, it's that timeline. So if you want to change who you are, people say, I don't like me. Well, let's change you. We have to come back to that very basis of what you believe and start changing some of those beliefs. So it's a, it's a very powerful process, but I get people to pick one thing they want to change because they get overwhelmed. So if you think of what do I want to change and start to look at that change process, and it's like remapping or rewriting the script. So what in, as you said, your information highway, let's take it and change some of that information because that will, one, you'll feel better, two, you'll, your actions will improve, and you'll start to like the person you're becoming. I was talking to my I was talking to my friend Monica uh, the other day. She's on radio sometimes. Uh, I'm not sure if you know her or not, but she was talking to me about uh, just the power of 
doing something different in your life. And one thing that I've done different recently is exercise. And I before this time in my life, I never really exercised on a regular basis. You know, I, um, I kind of avoided it because it's painful and I've avoided pain most of my life or I've been running away from it. But something I've learned recently is embracing the right kind of pain actually yeah. leads to the right kind of pleasure. Before I just wanted the pleasure, no pain, and it just led down a dark path. And so now I've become more disciplined and I I almost enjoy, you know, I really enjoy lifting super heavy weights where with my heart rate super high. So afterwards I almost feel like euphoric almost after you, you just feel like, oh, I've done I've accomplished something and it's good for my brain. And it's good for your body, and that's what you, you find you're getting. You're de-stressing, your body is doing wonderful things, and you get the benefits. And this is it. Unfortunately, we will go through pain and suffering to come out the other side. Um, it's sort of sometimes all those things that go in that we don't like are going to hurt coming out. And I think exercise is a prime example of beliefs we have. You know, I grew up in a family where you didn't exercise. You worked hard, but you didn't have a fitness program. Um, and in those days, you did work hard because you didn't have all the, the, the technology we have now. But so I didn't grow up with a let's get out there and exercise and be fit you know, in that sense. So I've had to push myself like you on that um, discipline of exercise, even though I get lots of exercise. And people say, oh, I don't have time. Well, that was my excuse. But I made time by building it into my daily life. Absolutely. Make yeah, you do something, and some people might do it like you're doing, go to a gym. You know, get people to, if you're going shopping, park your car a long way away and walk and push the trolley. And it's like doing things that give the exercise factor and changing that belief about the outcome. It's like, I don't like suffering. Oh, I'm going to be sore the next day. Well, you won't be forever, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like, yeah. So it's getting people to change their attitude and their beliefs, and that will change their habits. And look at you, your rewards are great. The reward of exercising for you is becoming very evident. Well, your brain has just remapped a whole section about that. Jennifer, that is is beautiful. You're literally explaining the shedding away of the old man that I was. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.